Hello, this is episode 188 of the Get It Right podcast. In this episode, I'll be helping you learn how to get it right if you're at the stage in your project where you're dreaming up ideas, you're scrolling through Pinterest, house, spending a lot of time on Google and Instagram. You know your project is still some time away from getting started, might even be years away, but that doesn't stop you collecting ideas and thinking about what you might do. This episode is for you. And even if you're past this stage, it's still worth listening to to make sure that you've covered everything and that you haven't missed out anything important. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building, or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. Now, before I jump into this episode, I want to share with you a fantastic resource I've created to help you, and you can access it now for free. If you're struggling with understanding the overall steps for your project, what you should be focusing on and when, or how to invest your efforts, energy, and money in the best possible way to get a great outcome in your future home, this will be super helpful. I've created a free online workshop called Your Project Plan, and you can watch it now. Head to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan to access it and watch it online. I've also added some great bonus resources that I've made available for you, and they include the transcripts of all of the podcasts in this season, this Christmas 2020 season, packaged up in a fantastic e-guide. You can find it all at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan, and that's P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-L-A-N, project plan or one word. Go check it out now. Now, let's get on with the episode. Okay, so in this episode, we're going to be talking about the initial phase that homeowners enter when they know a renovation or new build is on their horizon, but they're not taking any active steps forward in their project planning just yet. So what does this stage look like for a homeowner? Well, it can look a few different ways. First is you may not even be living in the property you plan to renovate or You may not have yet bought the land that you plan to build on. Or for some homeowners, they may already own a rental property that they've had tenants living in, but they're hatching plans to be able to renovate it and make it their own family home. Or you may perhaps have an intended renovation for the home that you're currently living in. You know, I know that I'm at this dreaming stage with our place. I've been at this stage for a while. I mean, it's an occupational hazard. You move into a place and you immediately start to think about how you're going to renovate it. But <laughs> it's, um, you know, we definitely have plans to renovate this home, but what that looks like, how big a renovation it is, when we'll actually get started, you know, what we will do and how much we'll spend. Well, that's all a bit up for grabs. It doesn't stop the dreaming though, does it? So let's look at what you're dealing with in regards to three metrics that I'm going to introduce to you that I'll be mentioning in each of our episodes this season. The first metric is budget. Now, at this point in the dreaming stage, you're really in this sort of ideas, dreaming, thinking about your future project. You're not really sure what it's going to cost, except that you expect it's 
probably going to be pretty expensive. Everyone tells you that renovating a building costs twice as much as you expect it to. Now, that's not really the case. It's just that reality TV has convinced homeowners that it should cost 50% of what it actually does. But because you're so early, you're not really thinking much about the budget. And, you know, it's, it's all still a way off and it can feel too hard to pin down a budget when you're not really sure what you want to do anyway. The next metric we're going to look at is fees. So it's common at this point to not have any fees because, you know, you're right at the beginning. You can still think it's just simply a case of picking the right people and everything's going to be fine. And then you can also extend right through to having some fears about whether everything's going to be able to fit into your budget once you figure out what that is. Or people at this point do have fears about stuffing up your design and about making choices that you regret later on. Now, sometimes too, people at this point have a fear that they just won't be able to pin down their ideas sufficiently to actually choose things for their home and make that final decision. You know, there's so many great ideas out there and it's so exciting to see all the inspiration and what's possible, but it can feel a little nerve wracking to think at some point that you're actually going to have to make a decision and choose a direction and commit to something in order to make this happen. The third metric we're going to have a look at is stress. So in this dreaming stage, it's pretty low. You know, there can be a little bit of overwhelm sneaking in, but it's coupled with a hope that things will just work out. And, you know, it's really, you can be so firmly fixed in the dreaming stage that you don't really attach any expectations at all to the things that you're dreaming about. And so the stress is just not there yet at all. Now, we're going to look at these three metrics at each stage because they can change based on where you're at in your project. So now we've looked at those three metrics, let's have a look at the mistakes that many make when they're in the dreaming stage of their project. It seems strange that you could make mistakes at this point, but people do. And I'm going to take you through the main mistakes that I see homeowners make. And then I'm going to share with you how to get it right instead. So firstly, the mistake that homeowners make is the way that you go about your research in that you do it with little or no structure. Now, it I know it can feel too soon to be putting any framework in place and so your research will basically look like a lot of endless scrolling through Instagram or pinning things in Pinterest or spending an inordinate amount of time usually online sifting through loads of glossy images and before and afters of other people's homes. And why this is a mistake is because it's it's really unproductive. You know, by all means, do all the searching, all the looking, all the pinning, but when you have little or no structure to it, the thing is that you'll end up with an unwieldy pin board that is actually more of a headache to review than a useful catalogue of project inspiration. And having no structure also means that you've got no ability to vet terrible suggestions and advice. And what I see happen is that even in this early dreaming uh, stage is that you'll be benchmarking your project. So you'll be picking up on stats and data around timeframes and budgets and things that you're reading. You know, you'll not only be pinning things to your Pinterest board, but you're actually pinning them to your brain as well. And that can cloud your judgment as you continue to develop your ideas and do your research. And it can take a lot of undoing when you actually start to talk to professionals to get your project going. This can go even further because even at the dreaming stage, I've seen homeowners get a builder or a designer over just to pick their brain about their project. And I've experienced this myself as well as an architect, especially with family and friends. Now, uh, as an architect, you tend to get a lot of calls from family and friends or, you know, you might be uh, over at someone's house for a Saturday barbecue and it'll turn into a renovation ideas session. And, you know, in those early stages, when a homeowner is still dreaming and they've placed no constraints on themselves in terms of budget or timeframes or goals, 
then this, you know, this is really, it's literally like batting at shadows. Of course, anything is possible when you don't think about budget, timeframes or goals and ideas can be like popcorn. And it can also be a huge waste of time and completely overwhelming and put you further away from getting started at all. You, at this point, you know, when you're doing it this way, you have no skin in the game. And so that means that you can just faff about for a really long time. And this is all well and good if you have all the time in the world, which you can feel like you you do when your renovation or new build is still years away. So it can feel like you don't need any structure to your research. But I see busy people with very full lives wasting ridiculous amounts of time on Instagram, Pinterest, House and Google in the pursuit of researching their project. And instead, they're just confusing themselves even further. Now, another mistake that people make in the dreaming stage is that because they're researching without structure and they have no context of budget or other constraints to do with planning rules, you know, or understanding the overall process is this, is that they can fall in love with ideas and images that are so beyond the realm of what's possible for their project that when you actually formally get started, you go from surprise to shock to complete demoralization as you realize how much out of your realm you've been getting inspiration from. And then what many do is they then try to achieve a lower cost project that still looks like the images that they love. And then they end up buying low cost, low quality materials, you know, low quality products to fake up that look, but it causes more headaches in the long-term durability and maintenance. The minute you choose to purchase something that's low cost and low quality, you're generally choosing to pay for that item more than once as you'll have to replace it later on. Now, another thing homeowners do when they get to this kind of confronting realisation that things are more expensive than they realise is that they figure they'll go own a builder and they'll source all of their products themselves and they'll just avoid paying the builder's margin in an effort to save money. Now, both those approaches, they'll only save money if you have a lot of time to dedicate to your project You can protect yourself legally or you can access great expertise and experience to support you through that that process. But, you know, in fact, two-thirds of owner-builder projects go over budget and products that are sourced outside of the building contract are a huge source of litigation between homeowners and builders. Now, lastly, another big mistake that people make is that because you're still dreaming and you're generally doing all your research all your conversations, all your idea collection for as low a cost as possible, preferably free, then you have very little skin in the game. And that actually changes how you listen to and you filter the advice that you're being offered. And it changes how you actually act on it as well and whether you even act on it at all. So I've seen homeowners spend months, even years doing a full circle back to the initial advice they were given by someone very experienced and qualified that they spoke to in their dreaming stage But because they didn't pay for that advice and also because they were in the mindset of being in that dreaming stage, in that frame of mind, then they didn't take action on it. And they've instead, you know, figuratively knocked on a range of other doors before realizing that the early advice that they received was actually the right way to go. The dreaming stage will often involve absorbing a lot of reality TV and online before and after videos and blogs. And these can be really deceptive for your expectations around time and budget and what might be possible for your project. You know, most architects and designers and builders that I speak to, they find their very first conversation with a homeowner is delivering realistic feedback about timing and costs. But for the homeowner, that first conversation is often bad news. 
The recent Home Builder Grant has been an amazing example of this because people have raced to try and secure a design approval and building contract so as to get access to the grants available within the required time frame. And I know many builders and designers have had very angry homeowners, very frustrated that they can't achieve their project dreams within the home builder's required time frame because it's just not physically possible to do things that fast. Not in a custom new build and renovation built business model, it's not. So how do you actually get it right then? And you avoid these mistakes of researching without structure, you know, experiencing that shock and demoralization and wasting boatloads of time on seeking inspiration in the wrong spots. Well, you can get it right, but you do it by getting a little real. Now, you don't have to kill or dampen all of your dreams right away, but you can actually give yourself some boundaries that will make any time that you do spend a heck of a lot more productive. So firstly, understand the best initial steps to take in your project. So you can do this by thinking about the four questions that any project needs to answer, regardless of size, budget or location. These four questions, I actually discuss these in in far more detail in the very first four episodes of the Get It Right podcast recorded four years ago now. So if you want to hear them in detail, then head there. And I'll give you a summary now, but you can go back and check out those episodes and I'll pop the links in the resources too. So the first question to answer is, what would you like to do? So this is about thinking about what's your brief, your ideas, your wishes, your wants, your aspirations for your renovation or new build. So not just the rooms or, you know, the functions or the finishes or the colors, but how will it actually feel and how's it going to make you feel? You know, the sky can be the limit here, But this is really about you putting pen to paper and you getting those ideas down. If you're still a way off, this can actually be super helpful so that you remember all of the ideas that you're coming up and you with and you get a bit more clarity as well. Now, the next question is, what are you allowed to do? So there are rules when it comes to building and renovating as much as we'd like there not to be. And the rules on your property, they can vary from your neighbours. You know, it can vary from street to street, suburb to suburb right down from block to block and there's planning legislation about what you're allowed to build in terms of building footprint aesthetics demolition setbacks and the like and then there's building codes and regulations which are about how to you know how you're actually allowed to build and the standard that your home's construction needs to perform to so finding all of this out it's actually a really uh, accessible and fantastic constraint then can eliminate so much time and drama even at the dreaming stage The third question is, what can your budget afford? Ah, budget, hey? (laughs) I've had homeowners tell me that thinking about budget at this dreaming stage is just not only boring, it's impossible because no one can tell you point blank that your project is going to cost X. And when you're not really sure what's possible, it's hard to give tangible information to people that they can then actually put realistic costing advice against. You know, frankly, any estimates, any costing feedback that you receive at this stage of your project, it's going to be pretty unreliable. There's other ways, though, that you can work out your budget. So instead, consider the value of your property. You know, what actually makes financial sense before you overcapitalize it? Consider what you can afford to borrow without financially crippling yourself. Consider the future value of your property with a renovation or a new build completed and what that might mean for your budget. The fourth and the final question is, what do you and your family actually need from your home now and into the future? Wants, wishes, aspirations, they're all pretty amazing. You know, inspiration abounds and there are so many great ideas about what you can do when you're you're creating your future home. 
But what you really need, that can be a far smaller an undertaking and it can be a far more affordable approach as well. And it can actually still be incredibly transformational for your lifestyle in and beyond your home. You know, when we bought our existing home, the one we're in now, I had all sorts of ideas about what I'd planned that we'd do to renovate it, you know, really big ideas. But as time has gone by and I've paid attention to how we actually live and the spaces we enjoy using and what works and what doesn't, you know, my ideas for renovating, they've got simpler and simpler because I know that I don't want a renovation to take all of our resources and I I especially don't want a massive home to clean and to maintain. What's really magical about our home is where it's located and the views and the landscape around our home. We're incredibly fortunate. And, you know, so rather than building loads more interior space, I actually want to do things to the home that maximise that connection to outdoors and that really enhance that indoor-outdoor relationship and that get more light into the home. I'm looking at ways that we can work with the existing footprint to improve the home rather than just adding more to it. You know, we're not short of space here. We live on 80 acres, so we've got lots of room to extend if we wanted to. But this is about being really intentional about what we need versus what might be nice, but in the end be a much more significant financial investment and not necessarily provide the correlating ROI or return on investment for our lifestyle. Sure, it might impress others for it to be bigger and more grand. It might be more photograph worthy you know it might mean that we're changing far more things it might be a grander thing to do with this home interestingly though we've got this neighbor who's going ballistic at the moment adding to his property he's he bought the existing house which had already undergone a pretty significant renovation by the previous owner and was already a large home and he's extending it even further. He's adding a huge extension on the back of it. He's also added, he's put a pool in. Uh, he's added a big freestanding pool house that's kind of the size of a house itself. There's some other outbuildings and infrastructure that he's been building away as well. He's put front gates in, front fence with security cameras on it. Um, you know, we, we joke that you can see this thing from the moon. And I noticed the other morning on my walk down our driveway, he's just recently added some seriously strong floodlights. They go on at dusk and they come off at dawn. They're like soccer stadium quality floodlights. They're really bright. It's really intense. And um, yeah, he's several hundred metres away from our property and I can, uh, it, it was, yeah, got quite a shock. So Please understand, this is not a criticism if you're planning to build or renovate your home in a big way or you're wanting to create a large home. I know that that's what some members of the UA community are doing. I just know that it's not what we and my family, you know, what we want or need. And we're very fortunate where we live that we do have a lot of land around us. So that's how, that's the spaciousness for us. It's not just about the home itself. So, you know, And I know too that my personal journey has been that one of the best things that I personally experienced was when we were doing our third renovation and we were turning this home that we had, which was 100 square metres, into something that was over 400 square metres and adding in a pool. And whilst we were doing it to sell, you know, it was always a project, that last renovation, I personally had always envisaged that that what we were creating was the kind of home we would eventually live in, you know, that we were doing it as a stepping stone to then being able to have that kind of home ourselves. And it was a five bedroom, you know, three living, two car garage, uh, I think three bathrooms, um, kitchen, living, dining, really big home, very generous home. Um, But what was interesting was that during the renovation, whilst the house was being raised and built in underneath and everything like that, we actually stayed for that time. uh, We stayed in the 
two-bedroom, lower floor, uh, self-contained sort of apartment that was underneath a friend's home. They'd raised and built in underneath their Queenslander. They'd had a two-story, a two-bedroom sort of apartment space downstairs and we moved in there and rented it from them. And of course my kids were small and we had left a lot of our stuff in storage. The place was already furnished so we moved in there with very little and but we were there for a year and the main thing that I missed was not the space, it was not having a garden. You know the home, it's um, this home itself, it was on uh, a fairly constrained block and it had a pool in the back garden and a lot of hardscape. So with three little ones, uh, what I was doing most days was I was heading out to the park each morning so that I could wear the kids out, and you know I um, that was sort of my day. And I just I re- I remember thinking living in that house that what I was missing was that garden that I could just send the kids out the door to be able to run around in and 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 have fun and get dirty and then come back in. And I remember too when my mum sold our family home and moved to something smaller. She moved from the home that we'd grown up in to a, uh, a duplex and she got rid of a lot of the furniture that she had to downsize to a smaller place. And she, she said to me that she remembers having this really clear realisation that she'd been basically paying a mortgage for in order to have a container to house all of her stuff in. <laughs> And, you know, it was stuff that we all used and everything like that, but she was kind of questioning whether it was stuff that we needed to have. You know, the things that we accumulate, they do sneak up on us. And I think when you actually assess what you really need for you and your family, that can just be a really great way to access a base level for your project and to get really good clarity on what is actually going to satisfy your project ambitions and transform your life. And then everything from there on in is a bonus. You know, it's, it's, I think that can be a better way to approach things rather than you starting with that really lofty, you know, big scale, high end dream, and then everything feeling like a sacrifice and a compromise when you start to have to cut it out of the project. You know, I'm all about functional design that feels great so that we feel great and we can just have more fun and be more calm in our homes and relax more and can help us simplify our lives overall. Now, another thing that you can do to get it right um, after answering those four questions is to actually have a system for your searching, even at this dreaming stage, and to cull as you go. So you can do this by having some discipline in how you set up your Pinterest boards or your house idea books or even your Instagram saves. There's, you know, there's nothing stopping you from having a board or an album that's about all of the, you know, oh, this is amazing images, but I'm not sure it's where it's going to fit. But then having a core collection of things that are actually relevant to your project and home, they'll actually keep you on track and they'll prevent you from ending up with an unwieldy collection of meaningless images that you just can't remember why you actually save them. Also remember that creativity works best when it's constrained. Now, I spoke about this a little while ago in one of my UA News emails. This um, idea of creative creativity being strongest when it's constrained is it's actually based on research and I'd heard it mentioned in a podcast episode that Brene Brown did and I'll pop a link to that in the resources it was with an author and she was asking him about this and she's he said that the research shows that constraint fosters greater creativity so Go and get yourself some constraints. You know, even at the dreaming stage, start to establish an understanding of realistic timeframes, an understanding of your council rules, as I mentioned, and definitely your budget. You know, don't see constraints as the enemy. 
don't see them as things that are going to force you to compromise. You know, many tell me that they're just having fun at the dreaming stage and it feels too limiting to think about those things yet. But if you have any inkling that you're actually going to do this project and you don't have boatloads of spare time on your hands, then constraints can be your friend, even at this early stage. Now, lastly, let's have a look at a great action step for you to take in your dreaming stage. And surprise, surprise, it's about your budget. Now, before you say, hey, Amelia, we've told you, we're not even thinking about money yet. We're still in the ideas phase, the dreaming stage, and we're just having fun getting inspired. Hear me out, okay? Now, people in my experience, they move very quickly from the dreaming stage into the getting started stage. So it can be forced upon you. Um, It might be that you find out you're pregnant with baby number three and there's no room in your current home. It might be that everything starts to break down and you think if you're going to have to spend a heap on maintenance and fixing these things, then you may as well do that renovation um, that you've been planning to do. Or it could be that a block of land or an old house comes up, you know, and either building new or doing that renovation on another property all of a sudden seems like the right thing to do. And what I find is that once a homeowner says, yep, we're going to do it, we're going to renovate, we're going to build, we're going to do that now then it is all systems go. They want it done yesterday and to move through things really, really quickly. So I've always found that even when you're just dreaming, the likelihood of the dream becoming reality means actually doing proper research and planning during your dream stage so that if and when you get presented with the need or opportunity to take action, you can do so proactively and confidently. You know, many people, they treat dreaming like it's a pastime or a hobby that they do in their spare time and they just sort of fritter time away. But I've seen that the chance that you have to actually achieve your dream dramatically increases when you choose that dreaming stage to properly plan and research, even when the dream seems unachievable or a long way away. Then, then you're actually ready to take action, even when the need presents itself. So my biggest action step at this point is to consider your budget. I know you think you want checklists or cheat sheets that are going to give you the top 10 steps to making your creative ideas a reality or, you know, super simple outlines of the complex process of building and renovating. But your budget is and will be such a key part that the sooner you can start thinking about it and getting a realistic idea of what you can afford, the better off you'll be. And this is why I created my mini course, Set and Stick to Your Budget. So You know, it's a DIY online program. It's going to help you learn more about how to set your budget and then what to expect as you seek and secure costing information for your project. And we also do some myth busting on the budget saving ideas that homeowners regularly come up with. And I've also got a series of budget setting tools and resources as well. So you can find that mini course at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash budget. And I'll pop a link for that in the resources as well. But, you know, getting a handle on your budget, however you do it, on the costs, it's going to provide a really helpful constraint for all of your dreaming so that you can then find relevant inspiration that moves you closer to the kickoff stage. And you may say to me, well, you know, we know we're not going to be doing this project for another five years. So in five years, we'll be in a different financial position to what we are now. We might be earning more or we might have saved more up. So the project will be worth more at that point. That doesn't stop you from working out what your budget can be and will be and what your project ideas are likely to cost. Okay, it shouldn't delay you from doing that at this point. Now, the kickoff stage, that's what we're going to be talking about in the next episode. So this is the stage that you get to when you decide it's time now to get going. So you pass this idea stage, pass the dreaming stage, you know you want to get going, 
but you're just not sure about who to hire or what the next best steps to take are. You know, who do you speak to first? Who will get you moving on your project journey in the best direction possible? So we're going to be covering the mistakes to avoid and the key ways to get it right in this stage. And then also the action step that is best for you making progress in the right direction. So be sure to tune in for the next episode. Remember to check out my online workshop, Your Project Plan. It's yours to access for free and you can watch it now. Plus, there's some great bonus resources for you, as well as the transcripts to this season of the podcast, all packaged up in a great downloadable e-guide. This free workshop, it will really help you understand the best steps to take wherever you're at in your project and how you can avoid some serious and expensive mistakes. Plus, I'll share with you what to focus on and when so that you know that you're getting everything in order for a successful project and a beautiful home. Head to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. It's all one word, P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-L-A-N, project plan, to watch it now. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time.